0: Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. When we began this journey that we're on with the pandemic, we made the statement uh, in regards to the coronavirus and when it hit or hit America, the day the world went silent. And I made the statement, perhaps God is asking the question, can you hear me now? The pandemic caused our streets to grow quiet. And I said in the beginning that maybe God is using this to speak to us as a nation. Now we're looking at the COVID-19 face mask debate that is tearing this nation apart. And that's where we are today. I want you to know that in the year of pay, which we're in right now on the Hebraic calendar, this is the year of pay, which means mouth, breath, voice. It's the year for the church to find its voice and to speak its message. But in this year of pay, let us not surrender the sound of our declaration to the noise of a debate. Now, there are issues that need to be debated. There are issues that we must debate there is truth that must be proclaimed. But we have to be careful as the church that we debate as statesmen, but we don't assassinate one another with our words. We have to be careful that we don't get pulled into that spirit of this world where we refuse to agree to disagree without being disagreeable. The church has an awesome responsibility. And we may debate, but we must always guard our hearts and guard our words because words are powerful. And this is the year of pay, as I mentioned, and this is the year for the church to find its voice and to speak boldly. But let us be careful when we step outside of preaching the gospel and we get into these issues and these debates and these different opinions. We have a responsibility not to become mean-spirited and assassin one another with our opinions. How do we face the mask divide in America now is being asked. How do we deal with this issue? And let me show you my concern. I was on the phone with a pastor just a few days ago, and he was sharing with me a story of another pastor that's a friend of his and what he's dealing with. His church is very similar to ours, and he is trying so hard as a pastor to stay balanced and provide a safe environment for his congregation but yet not infringe upon the liberties and the rights of the individual. And so he's doing as we're doing. He's recommending things but not requiring. He's just asking people to be neighborly and respect one another. One of his, one of his, one of his members that had been there for 50 years came to the door, and when he saw the table with a mask, and they said, if you don't have a mask, we'd like to offer you one. We're recommending, but not requiring. When he stopped at the table, he said, I thought this was a house of faith, and if this is what you're going to do, I won't be back. And a member that had been there for 50 years left that church over a mask recommendation. That's what I'm addressing this morning. We have to be careful. So some of today's questions, what happens to a nation after three months of no church experience? Has this chaotic moment made chaos of our priorities? Has the pressure of the pandemic revealed weaknesses in our Christian character? My concerns with the COVID-19. In the beginning, I was concerned for navigation through this crisis and talking with the staff and the elders, trying to find wisdom on how do we navigate through these uncharted waters and and be able to, to continue functioning as a church and ministering to our community. But now at this point, I have a foreboding over the health of the church after the crisis. We have to be careful that the spirit of divisiveness doesn't become more damaging to the church than the pandemic itself. We have to be careful. There are two two viruses out there. One is the COVID-19, but the other one is this divisive spirit that I believe the evil one is bringing into the church. The the enemy knows if he can't silence us from preaching the gospel, then he'll try to divide us over a mask. And so we have to be careful in what we do. In Psalms 9, 17, the wicked go down to the rim of the dead, all the nations that forget God. Now, we know as a nation, we cannot forget God. That's why we're concerned about the government and governors and and, and, uh, judges and mayors and city council members infringing upon our rights We're concerned about the first amendment, the second amendment, the fourth amendment. We're concerned about who we are as a people and as a nation. And we want to protect our liberties and our freedom and all those things that we hold dear. We want to be careful that our leaders don't forget that we're a Christian nation. But as individuals, we must not forget that we're Christians, It's a good thing to be remembered as a Christian nation, but I can't forget that I'm a Christian. And I have to be careful. I have to make sure that I follow Romans 15 and prefer my brother before myself. That if my brother is weak in his faith, I'll bear with him. If my brother is weak in his understanding, I'll bear with him. That I won't allow the evil one to slither into the church and cause a division where a member after 50 years Over a recommendation, we'll say, if that's the case, if that's your position, then I'm leaving the church. I'm afraid we're starting to forget who we are. Let's title this, The Nation That Forgets God. Let me talk to you for just a minute about the revelation of pressure. Proverbs 24.10. If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? There is the revelation of pressure. It will reveal who you are. That's what Proverbs is referring to. In a time of trouble, your strength will be revealed. So the first thing I wanna say to you this morning is we are living in unprecedented time of pressure. COVID-19, racial tension, economic downturn, presidential election, unprecedented pressure. Robert McGee made this statement. True character is revealed and the choices a human being makes under pressure. The greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation. The truer the choice to the character's essential nature. He made a simple point that when you're under pressure, it's going to reveal who you really are. And the greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation the deeper the revelation. And that revelation, that revelation is a, a, a true manifestation of the very essence of your nature. So know this, pressure during crisis reveals character. And pressure during crisis reveals the essence, not the exception of the character. When you're under pressure and you manifest, you need to understand that that's getting to the very core of your being. And you can't say, well, that's the exception to the rule. No, no, no. That's the essence of your nature. we like to do that. we like to manifest under pressure and then say, oh, that's really not who I am. Oh, yeah, it is. You say, well, I was under pressure. I know. But pressure will reveal the very essence of your character. And it's not the exception to the rule. Whenever I get under pressure and I start manifesting, it concerns me because it really reveals the essence of who I am. When you pull away all the restraints and the limitations and the control and this is I'm controlling myself and I'm restraining myself, when all those safety valves are kicked off and the real you comes out, that's who you are. And that's what you have to address. Remember, it's like integrity is what you do when you're all alone and nobody's watching. So pressure brings a revelation. The pressure of a crisis is a revealing moment. And God is watching. Pressure is a revealing moment. And you listen to me. God's watching the way we act right now says much about who we are as a people. It's easy for us to have Christian virtues. It's easy to have the fruit of the spirit. It's easy for us to walk in principle and to prefer my brother. It's easy to do those things, to love my neighbor as I love myself. When the stock market is high, Everything is wide open. The economy is strong. There are no stay-at-home, work-safe orders. There's no mask. There's no pressure. There's no pandemic. There's nothing. When everything is wonderful in America, it's easy to be a Christian then. But the real true test of a character is when the pandemic hits, when the pressure comes, when the stock market crashes, when everything is going chaos. It's then that we find out the true metal of a man's character. It is then that we really find out who we are, the essence and not the exception. So we at this time have to realize that we're in an unprecedented time of pressure and it's a revealing moment and God is watching. The second thing I want to say to you is what the enemy cannot defeat, he will distract. Luke 10 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Are they really that important? Yeah. So the church must understand that we will either pull together or pull apart. Coronavirus, fact or fiction? perception of reality and I'll be honest with you I believe in the mix there is fact and there is fiction I believe in the mix there is reality and there is perception I believe there's a lot of hype I believe there's a lot of excess there's a lot of things going on but I can tell you this one thing I know for sure Rather, it is fact or fiction or what is reality or what is perception. I may not be able to discern all of that, but one thing I know for sure, it's impacting us right now. Like it or not, look at my empty chairs in here. You say, well, pastor, much of this is is fiction, okay? You say, much of this is perception. I feel you, but my chairs are still empty. It's still impacting us as a nation, and we have to deal with this issue. We have to play the cards that are being dealt to us. We have to provide leadership in this moment. We have to be the church and step up right now in the fact, in the fiction, in the reality, in the perception, in the hype. We have to be the church and we have to provide leadership. He said to her, you're pulled away by the distractions. I don't want to get so lost in the debate of the conspiracy that I forget to declare God's word. I don't want to get so caught up with my neighbors in the debate over what they should or shouldn't do that they won't hear me when I preach the gospel to them. Have to find balance. Have to be careful. We'll pull together or we'll pull apart. Distraction is one of the enemy's most unrecognized and effective weapons. The word distraction means something that diverts attention. And I want everybody to listen to me now because I'm going I'm to share something with you. I just want you to see how the enemy could distract us. Distract us. One pastor called two elderly ladies and it's the elderly that pastors really feel the need to protect and to look over to watch over them because they're their health, their strength, their immune system—so so often is compromised. And like the flu, if they get the COVID nineteen, it can be devastating. And so pastors feel a need to watch over them. And so this pastor calls up two senior saints, two sisters, and said, "I just want to call you, you know, call you ladies and check on you and see how you're doing. Just a good shepherd trying to love his people. I want to check on you?" And they said, "Pastor, we're so disappointed in you." We're so disappointed. All these years, we thought you were a man of faith. And now here you are, you're buying into the conspiracy of the government. You're buying into the nonsense. You're buying it. And just broke it. pastor's heart, just crushed him. Because here he is just trying so hard to be a good shepherd. He's not gonna do it perfect, but he's trying. He's trying. And I can tell you, most pastors I've talked to, they'll say, you know, Pastor Randy, I just feel the need to err to the side of caution, and try to protect my people than just to go the other way and see someone get sick in my church and then perhaps die from it. And I have to live with that for the rest of my life. Listen, pastors are doing the best they can. And so the enemy, if he can't silence us, then he'll try to distract us and get caught up in all this other stuff. See, Jesus was sitting there teaching and Mary sat at his feet and was taking, she was partaking of eternity and the word of God, and a move of God, and what God was doing in that very moment. But Martha got caught up in the distractions, and it was pulling her away from what God was trying to do. So we have to be careful that we don't get pulled away from what God's trying to do right now. Let me show you what God may be trying to do, okay? The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We understand that. History has a tendency to repeat itself. So let me just point out a few things to you. The Hong Kong flu pandemic of 1968 was a global outbreak of influenza that originated in China in July of 68 and lasted into 70. Okay? First one. You see them wearing masks at work, 1968. Number two. The King assassination riots, also known as the Holy Week Uprising, was a wave of civil disturbance which swept the United States during the assassination of Martin Luther King, April the 4th, 1968. Police lining up against protesters. Interesting. The Jesus Movement was a Christian movement beginning on the west coast of the United States in 67 and 68. It spread primarily throughout the Americas and in Europe. Jesus movement. A pandemic that came out of China, race rioting in the streets, and on the heels of that, the Jesus movement. 1968 pandemic, racial tension, Jesus movement. 2020 pandemic, racial tension. You fill in the blank. So church, listen to me. This is an unprecedented time of pressure. Pressure will, review, will reveal the true character of a man or a woman. And God is watching. Know this, and you mark this down, and you remember I told you, wearing the mask will not silence the church, but its attitude over the debate could. Yeah. To do it. Now, I'm not telling you to wear a mask. I'm not telling you don't wear a mask. I'm not telling you to wash your hands. Don't wash your hands. Well, I would prefer you wash your hands, but <laughs> I'm not telling you to keep six feet between you and somebody else. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, okay? But I'm telling you this, you better watch your attitude. You better watch your attitude. I'm telling you that now as your pastor, because I love you, but you better watch your attitude. Because you wear the mask, people are saying across this nation, oh, the devil's trying to silence us by putting on a mask. How's that mask going to keep you from preaching the gospel? Listen, guys, I don't don't mind you debating, but please do it out of fact and not out of ignorance. Just do your homework. But a mask ain't going to keep you from preaching the gospel, but your attitude could. He's not going to silence us because we put circles in our altar. He's not going to silence us because we have hand sanitizer in the hallway. Well, he's not going to silence us because we're trying to just create a safe environment where people can come in and worship God and feel safe for their family. People come in this church and you say, oh, I just think that's silly. I think that's silly. As far as you know, that person is going through chemo right now because they got cancer. And if they get the COVID-19, it could kill them. You don't know what they're going through. So why don't you just be neighborly and just guard your attitude, watch the, watch the words of your mouth, and let's don't shame each other because you do or you don't wear a mask. Don't shame each other because you think the COVID is real or it's not real. Guys, I'm not trying to pull you one way or the other, but what I am trying to say to everyone in this house and those watching online around the world, the mask and the guidelines are not going to silence the church but your attitude could do it. It could kill it. What the enemy cannot stop, he'll try to distract us and pull us away. So Hebrews 4, for as long then as that promise of resting in him pulls us onto God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. Churches will either pull together towards a common goal or pull apart and be disqualified. I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want God to say, I can't use that boy in Beaumont. Back in the 90s, as I've told you many times, Brownsville Revival broke out on Father's Day, was it June the 18th, uh, 1995? People have asked me over the years, because I had a different perspective. I was there before, during, and after the Revival. And people ask me why did God choose revival, and I'd say, well, you know, there's different reasons. One was because in the pulpit was a true man of God. He really he he was a man of integrity, and he preached the word. And he was even then, before we understood it, he was apostolic and he had a strong hand with that church. And he was a father and he watched over that congregation. There were different reasons. Uh, They prayed for revival. They were contending for revival to the point where some people were leaving the church, but he wouldn't quit. But I said, one of the biggest reasons God poured his presence into that house is because I'd never seen a church in my life that was as unified as that church. Never. There was such a sweet spirit of koinonia and fellowship in that church. There was such a, a sweet unity in that church. You could be at a party You could be at a cookout. And if John Kilpatrick's name came up and people began to talk about the pastor, it was always good. But if anybody even got near anything negative, you'd notice everybody got real quiet and they'd back away and just, they wouldn't tolerate it. You didn't talk about the pastor of that church because they understood how important it was to come under authority so that the the kingdom of God could flow through without restraint, without limitation. Without restriction, there was such a unity in that church. They didn't gossip. They didn't talk about one another. They didn't talk about leadership. They didn't attack leadership. They didn't do that. And into that fellowship, God poured his presence. How sweet it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, he said. It's like the oil flowing down the beard of Aaron. Let me tell you something. You want the oil to flow down? then make sure you guard your heart. Make sure you guard your mouth. And by all means, watch what you say on social media. You need to be careful because God's watching. If you don't think God can read, read Facebook, you've lost your mind. You need to pay attention because God is watching. Number two, let's talk about the pressure, or excuse me, the purpose of pressure. William Shakespeare said, absent Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absence. Perhaps we've been, we've lost some things over the last several months because number one, it serves as a reminder appreciation for what you lost. Appreciation. Maybe we got to the place where we took church for granted. Maybe we got to the place where we took worship for granted. We took the preaching of God's word. We took the fellowship of the brethren. We took uh, church activities and opportunities and things. Perhaps we got to the place where we were just fat and sassy, and God said, You know what? You're going to take things for granted. I can pull it away from you for a little while. We can just let this shut down for a little while. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Number two, maybe it brings about a reformation where it begins to shake things up and it creates a new norm for people. You see, from the pressure of 2020, a new church is emerging. Now, listen to me, a new church is emerging from the pressure of 2020. Listen, everything's gonna change, okay? Now, I want you to get your mind around this. Just a moment now, just hold with me that there's a difference between a corporate experience and individual responsibility, okay? Now, maybe the absence makes the heart grow fonder, maybe. God is using this time, though he didn't cause it, he's using it to to do some things, to remind us how precious things are and to bring about a reformation. For example, maybe God's trying to get us off of the fix of having to have all of this for a worship experience. Maybe you need to learn how to worship at home by yourself. Maybe you need to get, maybe we in the house and online, we need to get off with the drug of, we got to have all the lights. We got to have all the music. We got to have all the talent. We got to have the show in order for us to truly get into corporate. Maybe we need to learn how to worship on our own. Maybe we need to quit looking to the church to raise our kids and our youth. And perhaps thought revelation. Maybe you ought to raise your own kids and raise your own youth and we will just try to compliment what you're already doing. But maybe you need to quit bringing your kids to church and your youth and say, fix them. I get one hour to fix them and you live with them 724. Maybe you should be the parent and maybe you should raise your kids and you, maybe you should t- train your youth because for years we've been getting that. When are you gonna fix my kids? When are you gonna fix my youth? I can't fix your kids. We're trying right now to find a way to reopen the nursery and open the children's church because we want, we want you to be able to come and enjoy the, the service and we want to minister your children, but we want to do it in a safe and responsible manner. Amen? And so the parents that can't bring their children, we get that. They can watch online and thank God for technology. But for the other parents that want to be here, you want to come, you really want to come, come and bring your children. And I got an idea. Bring your children and teach them how to sit still in a service and watch you worship and watch you under the preaching and watch you come to the altar. I had a gentleman in the church tell me last week, he said, you know what? He's got a little, a little, little child. I won't. If I tell you the gender, you'll try to figure out who it is. But got a little child. And, uh, and he said, uh, you know, this child is watching me worship and watching the service. And this has been really good for us as a family. Instead of being in children's church, they get to be in here and see me in action in here. Okay? And I had another family tell me that their teenager said, "You know, sitting under pastors preaching has been really good. I've really gleaned a lot from him, and I just I would love to get to know my pastor better. That's a good thing." So you you you, you have to understand that this you need to take a bad situation and turn it into an opportunity. And you say, "Well, I can't get my two, three, four-year-old to sit still." Listen, I did it, but it takes you going out into the restroom and having to come to. Jesus meeting. See, the problem is with parents, you don't want to spank your kids. That's the problem. You want me to fix your kids, I need to fix you. And then you need to fix your kids. You need to get a handle on your family, and you need to take little Johnny outside and tear his bottom up, and teach him how to sit still in a service, because the problem is, if he's unruly now as a child, when he becomes an adult, I have to put up with that mess, because you wouldn't deal with your little boy. An unruly child becomes an unruly man, and you need to spank him so I don't have to when he's 22 years old, and he's trying to rip my church apart. We have a family problem in America. So don't blame the church that your children are unruly and your teenagers are out partying. Why don't you be a man or a woman of God and deal with your family? How many likes it being apostolic now? <laughs> Pulpit ministry. You say, I just missed the preaching of the word. I understand, and I love the preaching of the word, but maybe you need to learn how to feed yourself. You say, well, I, menace, I, I miss the altar experience. Listen, I have altar experiences at my house by myself. You say, well, I, I need prayer. You pray by yourself. You need to learn how to intercede for your own family. You need to learn how to pray for yourself. And I'm telling you all this because I love you. And I want you to know the truth. Because listen, as things begin to unfold, I don't know what the future's going to hold. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're going to be required to do. The day could come when you need to learn how to find God on your own. When you have to worship on your own as a family. When you have to stand in your living room with the word of God and you have to teach your family. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. But I can tell you this, God will be with you wherever you are, whatever you're going through. You can have church in your home just like you have church in this building first peter in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of god's word for the milk will cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished and strong for life i want you to notice you can start out on milk but at some point you got to get off of the bottle so that you can grow and be be strong for life strong for life you got to be strong understand that milk is food on experience that's processed by one and fed to another. So you gotta learn how to feed yourself. I can't put the bottle in your mouth every, for the rest of your life. You gotta get off of the milk and you gotta learn how to feed yourself. I know it's, it's good and it's wonderful to come into the church and get under preaching and just be able to have somebody put a bottle in your mouth. But you've gotta get off of the bottle, you gotta feed yourself so that you can be strong in life. Now listen to pastor, Because I don't know what the days are going to bring, he said in Matthew. He said in Matthew that in Matthew twenty four we're in the days of sorrow, pestilence and plagues, nation rising against nation, wars and rumors of wars. He said he went on to say that men's hearts begin to fail them for seeing the things that are coming upon the earth. You're going to have to be able to stand in a very challenging time. What would happen if they, the government shut this church down and I couldn't open the doors? What happened if they arrested your pastor and put me in jail and they shut this church down? Would you say, well, I guess that's that. I'm done with Jesus now. Or would you gather your family up in your home and say, now look, guys, we're going to worship God for a little while, and then I'm going to bring a lesson, and then we're going to pray for each other. We're going to take communion. Listen, remember, the early church started out, started out in houses. You got to get this back to the basics, guys, if you're going to be able to make it through the days that are ahead. Difficult times may be around the corner, but you're going to have to, and you're going to have to be able to go through those days. So the benefits of pressure, pressure exposes potential. It brings out the best in you. I know right now you're tired of the COVID-19. I am too, but understand that under pressure, the best in you comes out. There is more to you on the inside than what we see on the outside. God is trying to force you into maturity. He's trying to force me into maturity. He's trying to take us to a new level. He's trying to say, Randy, when it comes to this, get off of the bottle, son, and I need you to get on the meat of the word. I need you to grow in this area. I need you to grow in that area. God's trying to pull us like a like the, uh, like a birthing pains and a womb. He's trying to pull us out of the comfort zone and put us... Into a new level of maturity. He's trying to pull you out of the area that is so comforting and nourishing, and you're so dependent on someone else. And he's trying to pull you out where you can stand on your own two feet. Number two, pressure purifies. It removes the worst in you. A priceless diamond is a lump of carbon that didn't quit under the pressure of the, this is what they call it, the earth's mantle. The earth's mantle pushes on the carbon and it pushes it and pushes it and it pushes it and it pushes out all the impurities until it pushes it into a diamond, a priceless gem. Right now, God is using this this season that we're in to push on people and to push and to bring out the best in us and to remove the worst. And he's trying to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. He's trying to push us into that priceless diamond where we can shine as the sons of God because the world is waiting on the revelation. They're waiting on us to be revealed. They're waiting on us us to take our places. Number three pressure clarifies purpose, it reveals the grace on your life. With the call comes a grace to endure the calling. People look at me now and says, how do you do the church and flood relief and not in my city and and city council? Because for me, I'm in my calling and there's a grace on me to do this. And so as I step into arenas and the pressure hits me, suddenly I feel the grace of God and I know I'm right where I need to be. Pressure will reveal the grace of God in your life. If you step into an arena and you don't have the grace to do it, you better get out. If you step into a situation you don't have the grace for it, get out. It will destroy you. So understand that pressure will bring out your potential. Pressure will purify you. And pressure will clarify your purpose. This is who I am and this is what I'm called to do. From the pressure of 2020 is emerging a clear vision of the true sons of God. In this year of 2020, there's a clear vision that's coming. God is pressuring the church, conforming the church, pushing it into a place where the true sons of God will be revealed. It is a moment of pressure, a revealing moment, and God is watching. God is watching. My third and last point, living with pressure. The impact of living under pressure and not the presence. James 1. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. So if you don't live out the message that you've been hearing for the last 14 years from this pulpit, then it's so easy that when you get away from here, you forget your divine origin. You forget everything that I taught you. Forgetting our divine origin, your position as a son, the principles for behavior, your purpose in life, and the promises that you made him. Headline news today. Headline news reveals the condition of a nation facing crisis after crisis without the experience of attending church weekly. If this new norm of pressure, excuse me, in this new norm of pressure, we must practice the presence of God on a daily basis, every day. You look at a nation that hasn't gone to church, let's say to March, hasn't gone to church since March, and the pressure's applied. It brings out the best. It brings out the worst. It reveals the true essence and not the exception of my character. And right now, we're watching what happens to a church, what happens to a community, what happens to a nation when they've been away from church. We're finding out who we really are. Who we really are. We're finding out now. Psalms 9 The wicked go down to the rim of the dead. All the nations, all the Christians, all the churches, that forget God. You know, one of my concerns and other pastors' concerns right now is that after this pandemic is over and we get back to whatever the new norm looks like, there's going to be people that never come back to the church. They just say, you know, I've been out of church for six months now. I just got out of the habit. This is not a habit with me. Are you? This is not a habit with me, guys. Habit is bluebell ice cream. This is not a habit. Let the government shut the shut the church down. God help my family, but they'll have to get in the living room and listen to me preach. We're going to quit? I mean, what? Are we done with God? The concern pastors have is that when it's all over with and they open up the churches full blow, I mean, full blown, just blow the doors open where everything's open, everything's running again they're going to look at there and there's going to be a lot of faces that are missing. Because people got out of the habit. God's revealing right now where we are. He's really separating the goats and the sheep. He's separating the sons of God from religion, habit. He's separating. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention. Church as we know it may change. But let us not forget who we are as a people. Let us not forget our divine origin. Let us not forget God. My position as a son. My behavior. My purpose in life. The promises I made. I promised him years ago. I promised him. I remember... (laughs) So many times in youth services and youth camps and revivals. and we, Back then, we used to sing that old song, uh, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll, I'll be who you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I want to do thy will, O Lord. I want to do thy will, O Lord. And I just remember so many times standing in service with tears flowing down my face and saying, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I made promises. I'll preach. I'll go. I'll leave everything behind. I made promises. And now when my world is turned upside down, am I going to remember my promises? God is watching. David, come help me. You see, we've read that scripture in Psalms nine through the years, and we've always directed it to Washington, DC. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all the nations that forget God. And, and, And rightfully so, we direct it to leadership rightfully so. And it's important that our leadership not forget that we're a Christian nation, but it's also important that the individual not forget that they're Christians because what constitutes a Christian nation are Christian citizens. We have to make sure of that, and so it's not it's not enough that I look at leadership and say, well you 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 should be doing this or you should be doing that and then our behavior is just, our behavior in many cases has just become unchristian. We have to be careful because my concern is being disqualified. Second Corinthians 11, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches my concerns for the churches. Number one, within this crisis lies the opportunity for revival. It's in this opportunity, I feel it, I sense it. But number two, the pressure of the crisis is revealing Christian character and God is watching. And number three, the test of this crisis, it could, it may disqualify men and churches. I would hate for a church to get so distracted with silly debates I would hate for a church to get so caught up in that mean spiritedness we get so distracted that when revival comes they're disqualified I've told you this before let me tell you again Brownsville Revival, actually, it started with a group of prophets that got together in Orange Beach, Alabama. Some of them, I named them, you know who they are. A group of prophets got together and they went into a few days of prayer and seeking God. And when they came together, they said, okay, what's God saying? And they all said, a revival's coming. It a start in Pensacola but it wasn't at Brownsville it was at a different church but that church for whatever reason got disqualified Brownsville was God's second choice I'm very appreciative that it happened that way (laughs) but it was God's second choice so Listen to me this morning in this house and on the web. You listen to me, you can disqualify yourself. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, you see it. Elijah, what are you doing here, son? Well, you know, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Elijah, let me ask you again, son, what are you doing here? Well, nobody cares. Elijah, you need to shake yourself, son. You need to get it together. You've allowed the word of Jezebel to get in your head, and it's got your thinking all messed up. Elijah, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I just, man, I'm just, I'm so discouraged. Okay, look, just go give your mantle to Elisha, because it's obvious you're done, disqualified. God didn't give up on Elijah. Elijah gave up on God, and he disqualified himself. God said, okay, you're done. Guys, listen, I don't want my attitude, my mouth, my behavior, I don't want anything to disqualify me from a move of God. So will I stand for what I believe in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I debate as a statesman? Every day. But will I assassin my brother over a difference of opinion? No. We have to come together as a church because we're living in a time when pressure is revealing where people are. It's the revealing of true character, the essence, not the exception. And God is watching. I believe revival's coming. I believe this is a test. And God is watching. Though absent from church... Let us not forget who we are, what we believe, the values we cherish, and the promises we made. Let us not forget God. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.